0: Welcome to Author Express. Thanks for checking us out. This is the podcast where you give us 15 minutes of your time and we give you a chance to hear the voice behind the pages and get to know some of your favorite writers in a new light. I'm one of your hosts, Kathleen Basie. I'm an award-winning musical composer, a feature writer, essayist, and, of course, storyteller. Let me tell you a little bit about today's guest. Judith Turner Yamamoto is the author of Loving the Dead and Gone, Independent Publisher Book Awards Gold Medalist in Southern Regional Fiction, and shortlisted for the Eric Hoffer Book Award Grand Prize, finalist for the Eric Hoffer First Horizon Award, and Honorable Mention in General Fiction. Judith grew up in central North Carolina in a small mill town. Her work has appeared in over 30 journals and anthologies, and she has won more than 15 awards. A featured author and panelist at numerous book festivals, her speaking engagements include the 2023 Santa Barbara Writers' Conference and the 2023 North Carolina Sunset Signature Series. Publishers Weekly calls Loving the Dead and Gone a bittersweet and fantastical debut. Forward Reviews says Loving the Dead and Gone is a moving, insightful novel about growing through tragedy. Judith's on-air interviews have been featured on NPR affiliate WVXU, and over a 1,000 articles have appeared in the Boston Globe, Magazine, Elle, Interiors, Arts and Antiques, the Los Angeles Times, and many others. She's a contributor to the Southern Review of Books, and Loving the Dead and Gone is now a Mariel Hemingway Book Club selection. Welcome to the show, Judith.
1: Oh, I'm thrilled to be here, Kathleen. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, it's great. That's really, I mean, a Mariel Hemingway book club, that's got to feel fantastic.
1: Incredible. Yes. You know, I keep thinking about that thing that Louis Pasteur said about how chance favors the prepared mind. (laughs) And (laughs) it's when you're prepared and out there, things open up and bloom for you, I think. And that's certainly been my experience
0: this last year. Well, I might just have to pick your brain about that, but we might wait until we talk a little bit more about the book. Let's start out by asking what we ask everyone, which is tell me the most interesting thing about where you are from. Well, you mentioned that
1: I'm from this small mill town in central North Carolina. The most interesting thing about that is it really was a portal to the past because it was this moment when... The transition from people being on farms to going into the mills and factories after World War II Mm -hmm. happened, and I belonged to the first generation of my family in 10 generations that wasn't intimately connected to the land. Mm. My father and his six siblings left the family farm as teenagers for these new mills and factories. Hmm. and. But we were back on that land every weekend, and I saw a very different world from the one that I was living in my day to day life. My paternal grandmother was still cooking on a wood stove. Wow. And she used a hand cranked wringer washer that was out in the wash house. You know, she chewed tobacco, (laughs) she worked in the fields, she milked cows, she churned butter. And, you know, there was an entire room in her house just dedicated to storing all her canned goods. And yep. there was another that had just spent funeral wreaths in it. That's the only thing that room was for, was yes. And that's really quite something. Yes. And then at my maternal grandmother's, her house was like a family museum the upstairs she had just crammed everything she'd inherited from everybody who had died and it was full of steamer trunks and bureaus and wardrobes wow. and all the clothes of the dead and, oh my. And, yeah you know and these rooms held this undisturbed papery decay and there was this pungent smell of rotting wood i was so terrified but so titillated you know because these, you know, there these contents and and the personalities of these dead relatives were coloring these, the adult conversations as if they were still alive. So in all of this, you know, there was this undertow of the past. And as Faulkner says about the South, the past isn't dead.
0: It isn't even past. Mm, yeah, I remember that quote. That's really interesting. And, you know, I was going to ask you about your earliest memory, but I feel like you've already evoked your whole early childhood for me in that question.
1: (laughs) Well, but my earliest memory feeds directly into Loving the Dead and Gone because it was the inspiration for the book. My first memory is of this tragic death of a young uncle Mm. and what transpired that day. And the memory of my young aunt, you know, Locked in the bathroom at my grandparents' house, wailing and this ungodly lament, and hmm. him in his casket. And all of that flowed into loving the dead and gone. And it melded with later uh, memories of parental perfidies that
0: came later in my own adolescence. So oh, that's intriguing. It's a very
1: personal book. Yeah.
0: Well, let's focus on that book a little bit. It's called Loving the Dead and Gone. Can you give us the one sentence snippet of what we should expect from this book?
1: Yes. In the book, a freak car crash in rural 1960s North Carolina puts in motion moments of grace that bring
0: redemption to two generations of women and the lives they touch. Oh, that sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. So do you think that this book would have been exactly the same if you'd written it 10 years ago or if you had written it 10 years from now? I think that's a very interesting question because you're saying that this book came from something that happened in your childhood and you waited a long time to write it.
1: Well, actually, I first began working on this book 35 years ago.
0: So it's probably been through multiple different... uh,
1: Five rewrites, three agents, you know, a, a couple of publishing deals that tanked. Mm. You know, it's that it, it's a story that I thought was unique to me. But as I have been out in the writing world and connecting with other writers, I realized that more often than not, this is the story mm, <laughs> of yeah. the long and winding path. To publication. And of course, you know, I wrote several other novels along the way, but I would just keep returning to this one. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy that it's the first one out in the world because it really
0: is the beginning of everything. It's where it all began. That's really neat. Yes. So you've been writing it for a long time. When did you first know you wanted to be a writer?
1: Well, I started, you know, I really came to writing through my art history studies. In graduate school, and I started writing first art criticism and mm-hmm. exhibition reviews. And so I came to writing through journalism and I expanded into writing just lifestyle, you know, all mm-hmm. everything, travel, food, books. So all of that led to a parallel career when I had been a project director at the Smithsonian Institution. Oh, wow. Yeah, developing traveling exhibitions. And my focus was photography because that was a huge part of my background. But I started taking creative writing courses. And so I had these parallel careers running. The journalism and the fiction, and I would write fiction in the morning while my son was in, you name it, like preschool, nursery school, Mm -hmm. kindergarten, (laughs) high school, whatever. And then in the afternoons, I would work on the articles so and my assignments.
0: That's smart. I like that you took well, I maybe I'm just assuming I'm a morning person. So for me, the the greatest creative energy of the day is in the morning. So I love that you prioritized the fiction in the morning and then went, okay, in the afternoon I'll grind out what needs to be ground out.
1: Right. Well, you know this. It's like when you're in that phase of life, you have to build your life around your children's needs and exactly. their schedule. So yeah. I was a pro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was pro. I was the first one in line to book summer camp, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So tell me a little bit about the fortune favoring those who have been putting in the efforts. Tell me how this Mariel Hemingway came about.
1: Okay. So just to give you a general response to chance and prepared minds, you know, another part of my life history, work histories, I spent over 20 years as a publicist Mm. First, as head of public affairs for the Smithsonian's American Art Museum, mm-hmm. and then on my own as a consultant working with artists and cultural institutions. Hmm. So, I knew very well going into this how important it is to, it is never too early to be thinking about how a book is going to be positioned and promoted. And delivered to the world. So actually I've been very focused in social media. I focused on Facebook and I post, you know, I was doing all these posts related to my book and I got a response from the woman who books talent for the Santa Barbara writers conference. Mm-hmm. And she said, I got your book. I love your book. I, I want you to speak. At the conference that's in June. Really good. Yes. And this is Mary Ann Doggerty. She is an incredibly talented author herself. Mm-hmm. She has a new novel out called What We Remember. Mm-hmm. And she has a deep journalism background herself as well. And she has a nonfiction book that's out right now. But Mary Ann, you know, it's like one thing calls another, mm-hmm. right? And she introduced me to, when I was out in Southern California, to the co-host of the Mariel Hemingway Outcomes the Sun wow. podcast. Yes. And we had lunch together and I shared my book with her and that's how that came about. It's just one of those wow. wonderful gifts. And it all started with posting on Facebook.
0: Yeah. Wow. We are all inspired. (laughs) So thank you. As we start to come wrap things up, we want to ask you, where's the best place for people to find you then? Is Facebook that place? Facebook is totally the place.
1: On Instagram, it's at JTurnerYamamoto. And of course, my website, TurnerYamamoto.com is a portal to my whole
0: world. Yes, very good. Okay, so in closing, tell us today what book or story inspires you the most? I
1: return again and again to Mary Gordon's title novella in The Liar's Wife. It's four novellas, but it's this first one. And it's this story of how things, you know, how life just kind of throws you a curveball that you can never have imagined. I mean, the thing that happens to this woman in her seventies, who's in this very content life one evening, it's just, you know, I go back to it and it's like I look at the structure, the exquisite prose, mm-hmm. you know, how she creates the physicality of the setting. Mm-hmm. And the sheer capture of this certain moment in a life, you know, and this poignancy of this unexpected visit into her deep
0: past, it's just, it's masterful. Well, that sounds like a great one. Thank you. Oh sharing. my God. Thanks for <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for sharing about your favorite read, about your own book. It sounds wonderful. And thank you for being on the podcast with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a true pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you'll take a second to give us some stars or a review on your favorite podcasting platform. We'll be back next Wednesday. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at Author Express Podcast to see who's coming up next. Don't forget, keep it express but keep it interesting.